T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. Happy New Year, everyone. It is indeed Inside the Clubhouse. A lot of free agents still unsigned. A lot of trade talks continuing. When will spring training be? I don't know. We don't know a lot of stuff, but we do know that our next guest joins us right now on the Alpamonte Nissan hotline, Alpamonte Nissan in Melrose Park on North Avenue or at apnissan.com. And actually, he's not quite there, but I'm sure we'll get there in a minute. But boy, so much remains unknown right now, Bruce Levine. It's, uh, it's crazy how much still needs to be discussed and sorted out on the big league level between the owners and the players. Absolutely. Uh, do we have do we have uh, Jim with us yet or not? Yes, we do. He is okay. there. Indeed, uh, we right bring now. in uh, the fine color commentator on Chicago Cub baseball on the Marquee Sports Network, our good friend Jim Deshays. Happy New Year, Jim. Thank you for joining Matt and me uh, this morning. It's uh, good to talk to you. Uh, good to be with you, boys. Happy New Year. Hope all is well for you here in uh, 2021. So, when anyone starts a sentence like that, you should know that the next is... <laughs> now, here comes the ugly stuff. When did you initially find out that your partner, Len Casper, had uh, the aspirations to move to the White Sox and be a radio full-time broadcaster in the voice of the White Sox? Uh, I found out about it right before it happened. Um, you know, I think for obvious reasons, Len was trying to keep it quiet. Um, so it was a very, very tight circle inside that cone of silence. Um, but he did, he did reach out to me uh, a day or so, I guess it was, before before the announcement was made. You know, I knew, I mean, obviously the, the initial reaction is, wow, that's crazy. That's uh, what's going on here. But then if you know Len and you know that, you know, he, He's kind of a broadcaster's broadcaster, loves the idea of doing radios. And uh, he's at that point in his life where I think he wanted to try something new. So uh, on that level, it, it kind of made sense. Jim, um, what, what can you tell us, if anything, about the process of, of finding your next partner and uh, where things stand in that regard? Yeah, not a whole lot. I know, you know the guys over at Marquee are, are working really hard, being very diligent. They've, got, they've reached out to a lot of people. They had a lot of people reach out to them. Uh, I think they're they're getting close. I know they're initially uh, their hope was that they would have something done uh, by mid January, if not sooner. So I, I expect to hear something soon. I'm I'm looking forward to whoever it is. You know, I had uh, a 16 year run down in Houston with Bill Brown, and we had a great relationship. And then uh, eight years with, with Len here, and uh, that was a great ride. And I'm looking forward to a, another fun run with whoever they bring in. I'm sure it'll be somebody who is. You know, battle tested and uh, smart and uh, and and fun, and, and we're going to have a, a lively, fun booth. What was the thing that you will miss the most about broadcasting with Len? And uh, although, uh, of course, you look forward to your next uh, host uh, joining you, but uh, the next broadcaster next to you. But what was it uh, that you enjoyed the most about broadcasting with Lenny? You know, I just, I just thought he had a real good feel for the game. You know, he had uh, good timing. Um, you know, he was always prepared, super prepared. Um, so it's a, it always makes it easy when the guy next year has done his homework and is on top of things. He was willing to kind of go off topic. I mean, I think that's where you, you pay as a broadcaster when the game gets a little crazy. 
and you, you have to find uh, somewhere else to go. I, I think we were able to do that successfully. Um, but I just, I, I just value the friendship and, and just showing up at work every day. Uh, as you guys know, there are some tandems in this business that don't get along, uh, and it can make for a long, ugly summer. Leave uh, Matt and I out of this, okay? Leave, leave, <laughs> leave us out. Yeah, Damn. yeah. I, the, the one thing I know very or when I started doing this, you know, a hundred years ago, uh, I always I found it interesting because people always talk about egotistical ball players, but there's way more divas up on, on broadcast row than there are down on the field. Uh, so I always appreciate when you're working with someone who who is not, and I, and I've been fortunate enough to to have a couple of longtime partners uh, that were just solid guys. So, Jim, I assume that you've uh, submitted a list uh, to Marquee. Like, all right, I need a guy who uh, knows Seinfeld. I need a guy who uh, understands trivia and will be open to that. No, of course not. But have you, you know, one thing I've always loved about you and Len was an openness to not know the answer to something. You know, just like a willingness to have the conversation and see where it goes and know that that doesn't, not only does it not damage your credibility, it actually makes it um, warmer to the listeners who understand that, yeah, no, we're all trying to figure things out there. So I, I hope that that sensibility will remain. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think there's a lot of value in that. You know, nobody, nobody likes to know it all, right? Nobody likes the kid who, you know, class is ending and you raise your hand, hey, teacher, you forgot to give his homework. Uh, you hate that guy. Um, and I never want to be that guy. Um, Years ago in Houston, Brownie asked me something, and it was baseball-related, and I, <laughs> I was completely flummoxed, and I said, Brownie, I don't know. And uh, a columnist there basically wrote a column on it, and he, he, he loved it. He gave me all kinds of praise for saying I don't know. So I've, I've kind of hung on to that. You know, don't, don't try to fool people. Don't try to be, you know, make them think you're smarter than you are. Baseball is a very gray sport. Um, there's not a, black, a lot of black and whites. There's, I think there's always different ways you can approach a manager's decision, a player's decision. Um, and you can, you know, you can make yourself look good by selling it that you know and your listeners don't. Hmm. Uh, but I think that does a disservice. I think, I think you have to kind of you ha- you have to work the gray in as much as possible because that's the nature of the game. Our good friend Jim Deshays, the color commentator for Cub Baseball on television, joining us on Inside the Clubhouse for a few more minutes. Jim, uh, you had the distinction, along with Len, to broadcast some uh, excellent baseball over the last six years, a winning team every year, a team that won a World Series, that won their division three times. Are you prepared for what may be going forward, your take on the U Darvish deal and where the Cubs stand uh, six weeks away, arguably six weeks away from starting spring training. Yeah, for me personally, I'm, I, it doesn't matter to me in terms of my job and what I have to do to, to earn a living, whether the team's good, bad, or indifferent. Um, my job is to inform, entertain, and um, you know, try to engage our, our viewers. Um, so I'm ready for, for whatever direction they ultimately go, and I don't know that the Darvish trade is definitely a signal that they're going to go into this major rebuild. Um, you know, I think the NL central is, you know, in the Olympics when they do that indoor cycling and they kind of go real slow for a long time. And then somebody finally breaks from the pack. Um, that's kind of what the NL central looks like this winter. Everybody's just kind of cruising along. Um, there's nobody in the division that scares you. Uh, so much like last year, it could be a very balanced situation. So even though they've traded Darvish, um, they didn't replace him with a sack of potatoes. Zach Davies is a good major league pitcher. Not going to tell you he's going to outpitch Darvish this year. But I'm going to tell you he might. You just don't know. Uh, there's a lot of variables in this game. So I, I still think the Cubs have a really good shot at winning the NL Central. And I, I think the predicament that Jed Hoyer was in was, okay, so, yeah, maybe we can win this Central Division. But how do we stack up? against the Dodgers, the Padres, the Braves, uh, the Mets seem to be on the rise. So if, if the ultimate goal is to be um, playoff-worthy and uh, the ability to make a deep run into the playoffs, I think you had to go one of two directions, and that was spend big, and I can understand fans saying, yeah, absolutely. Or you, you had to kind of make some adjustments and try to retool things a little bit because it has been a little frustrating over the last three or four years where this team has kind of come up short and uh, they've 
kind of threatened or talked about retooling the roster but hadn't been able to pull it off. And now I think we're seeing that time where they, they are going to try to, to make some changes. And, uh, you know, the story hasn't been written yet. We don't, you know, this, this deal uh, in a vacuum, you go, he's a bunch of young kids and a mid-rotation starter for a, you know, number two Cy Young guy. Uh, that doesn't seem very good. But let's see what the future brings. Let's see what they do with the excess money. Let's see how these prospects develop and what they turn into in terms of their ability to play at this level. And, and you know, assets that might be movable to acquire a, another piece. So uh, I still think they're in a good position to win this division. Um, but obviously, uh, temporarily, the roster is taking a little step backwards. A lot of good yeah, stuff. I mean, uh, yeah, Go I'm ahead, sorry, Bruce, man. Um, not too many people knew who uh, Jeff Bagwell was when uh, they made that Larry Anderson deal. And not too many people. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, was, I was on that club and I lost my mind. Andy was my buddy. <laughs> Who's this Bagwell kid from Double A? This is a terrible hey, deal. Hey, guys, <laughs> Scott <laughs> Cooper is still going to work out at third base for the Red Sox. <laughs> yeah. Okay? Yeah. So uh, they, they the, knew what uh, Kenny, they were doing. Kenny Lofton deal was not one that didn't work out all that well for. Yeah. Uh, for Houston. I was almost traded for Gary Sheffield once. Could you imagine the calamity (laughs) that would have been? How many heads would have rolled for that deal? Oh, my my God. God. That's tremendous. Um, Yeah, you know, it's it's hard to take a look at your team and say, I don't think we're good enough. But Jed Hoyer said exactly that the other day. And and it's about the offense. It's about, and I don't even know if we've had a chance to talk since the, the postseason, Jim, when the same flaws were exposed and the same guys were gettable by the same kind of stuff, that high fastball and that 12-6 to 6 curve or slider, that, that kind of stuff. So they, they, they really need, need to do some work and try to figure out how to make that offense better against real good pitchers who know how to attack them. And I don't, I don't know that they have the answers to that as of right now. No, no, and I think that's, that's you know, I think, you know, the fact that Jed said that after winning a division, right? They yeah. won a division, right. and he said, we're not good enough. And, and that was my point with the Darvish deal. Like, if the goal is just to win the Central, yeah, hang on to you, and we're, we're in good shape. We're probably going to win this division. We, we'd expect bounce back, you know, from – the likes of Bryant and Baez and, and, and Rizzo and then, you know, on down the line. Um, but I think the thinking has become, well, how, you know, what do we do to get back to that level where we're not just winning kind of a watered-down division, but we're one of the more dangerous teams in the league. And, I, and so I don't think they feel like they're there right now. So the Darvish deal, I think, is the beginning of a transformation of the roster. And all the while, they're hoping that, you know, they're able to hang in and compete within the division, and that makes it fun to watch and fun for fans. And once you get into the postseason, you never know. Anything could happen. But I think realistically they're, they're, they're seeing uh, it's time to, to, to rework the roster a little bit, build up the farm system. And you're spot on. You know, too many strikeouts, um, over, you know, overmatched. We saw it in that Marlin you know, playoff series. Um, they, need to, they need a couple, you know, Zobris-type hitters in their lineup. Um, you don't have to get rid of everybody. They just need to change the DNA of the lineup a little bit. Uh, find a couple of you know guys who are more line drive type hitters. Don't strike out quite as much. Compete against velocity. Rossi has talked about training differently, trying to um, you know trying to trying to make that adjustment by you know I guess you go into a cage and have a machine throw 140 mile an hour fastball. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know exactly what that looks like. But, you know, there's so much science and technology in the game. I'm sure uh, they have an idea of what they can do to try to improve. Um, but I think, you know, mostly it's about uh, roster construction and, and shaking up the lineup a little bit. Speaking of transformation, one thing the Cubs will lead the league in for sure is a starting rotation that averages uh, well below Major League average for velocity. There's no, there's no question about that. But in that, within that mix of guys like Mills, uh, Hendricks, and Davies, who do not, you know, ever break 90, 91 miles an hour, could that be a new trend uh, that people look at uh, with successful pitchers like those guys and uh, scouting and developing more guys that can pitch rather than try to blow people away? Yeah. <laughs> It's a great point. Um, you know, everybody's chasing velocity, especially in the offense. Um, but not because the Cubs have been kind of down near the bottom of the league in terms of average fastball velocity for the rotation for a little while now. 
Um, I don't know if that would be a new trend. I think if you can pitch, you can pitch. You know, in a perfect world, you'd like uh, a guy who had Hendricks' pitchability, his savvy, and he threw 94 miles per hour. Um, um, you know, but those are hard to come by. Uh, yeah, I just don't know. I mean, uh, missing bats is really important. Keeping the ball out of play is really important. Uh, keeping the ball in the ballpark, obviously, is, is really important. And I think you can be a guy without great velocity and still accomplish a lot of that. Maybe not the strikeout numbers you were hoping for, uh, but keep the ball on the ground, keep it in the ballpark. It's kind of old school, right? The, the game runs in cycles, and we went from a you know a period where there was a lot of sinkers and sliders. Now we've gone back to emphasizing <clears throat> elevated fastballs and curveballs. And so maybe, just maybe, as, as hitters, if the hitters start to adjust to that, maybe these guys who can sink it and keep it down around the knees, maybe maybe they have a little bit of an advantage, but um, that that's something we won't know, you know, for a couple of years. If, if I were an opposing GM, Jim Deshays, and I called you, or hell, make it an opposing broadcaster that you wanted to be honest with. That works, too. But I called you and I said, you "Demand honesty." What? Yeah, I know. It's, it's like, look, it's early in the year. I'm keeping my uh, my possibilities high at this point. Um, I, and I were to say, "All right, tell me about Craig Kimbrell. Should I believe that I've got a version of Craig Kimbrell that maybe I could trade for? Because that's a guy. You know, look at the money he's making. And look at the course of his year." I, I, what would you tell an opposing broadcaster or GM about Craig Kimbrell at this point? Yeah, I, I thought I thought he turned a corner. I, I you know I, I think it was real ugly early on, um, but as the season uh, wore on, uh, it started to look like Kimbrell of old. Um, I think it'd be a risky acquisition for a general manager because there's a two-year trend there uh, overall. That that if you if you acquire Craig and you give up, you know big prospects and you pay them a lot of money, it might come back to bite you. But it's the kind of deal if you're looking to win and you're trying to fortify a bullpen, um, you know, uh, sometimes you get, you got to be bold. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I, I'm guessing clubs would be more inclined to, to, to make that deal as the season went on. They'd want to put their eyes on them early this year to see what it looks like before they pull the trigger. And I think it would be smart for the Cubs to do that because I think his value right now is probably not as great as it could be if he gets off to a good start. Um, you know, uh, bullpen guys, you know, are always very attractive at the trade deadline, especially the guy with his resume. And if he's throwing 98 miles per hour um, and, and he looks healthy, uh, somebody's going to bite. Um, and you might be able to score a couple good prospects for him. So in uh, looking was that at honest? the... that felt honest? Yeah, it felt yeah, honest it felt to honest. me. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. we'll see. We'll figure it out. We'll yeah. figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> as far as uh, David Ross goes in his first year of managing, uh, at um, about a, a month ago, uh, three weeks ago, he, he talked to uh, media members and he talked about the fact that he feels he wants to improve in some areas himself. And one of them would be being more hands-on with players on a, on a, on a given day and being more, uh, for lack of a better term, in your face when he needs to be. He felt uh, last year, because of all the situations and the pandemic, that uh, he held some things back. What were your thoughts of uh, David's first year and how he handled the club? Yeah, oh, I said he did great. Obviously, we didn't have access to the clubhouse, so we didn't get a chance to talk to a lot of players. We, we talked with David on a pretty much a daily basis. Uh, and I loved his self-awareness and his honesty. You know, he, he would tell us at times where he thought he messed up or where he, you know, where he thought he needed to improve. Um, you know, I, I, I understand his point. I think, I, I think it, make, it made perfect sense for a first-year manager with his team going through what they, what they went through last year that he would, uh, back off a little bit. Um, but at the same time, you know, he's expressed regret over the, the Schwarber incident uh, when he when he pulled Kyle. So, you know, he's a competitive guy. Uh, you, you don't take that job. You don't pine for that job unless you're competitive. And sometimes situations get the best of you. So, you know, the thoughtful David Ross was probably, you know, I've, I've got to back off. i got to let these, you know, uh, leave these guys alone, let them do their thing. And then the competitive David Ross, um, 
you know, on occasion probably wanted to bite somebody's head off. And I think he, he's, what he is saying is I, I, I need to be that guy a little bit more. We'll see, you know, whether he needs to be that guy or not. Again, this, you know, they want a division. Um, I think the players really played hard for him. Um, they get high marks. Everybody followed the protocol. Nobody had any COVID issues uh, once we got rolling. So um, uh, I just think I, I just think it speaks highly of him that he, he takes that time in the offseason to kind of reflect and, and kind of have this internal debate about, you know, who do I need to be? And uh, we'll see if he comes out and is a little more demonstrative with his guys next year. I think uh, I think it would be welcome from a lot of those guys. You know, he's got a he's got a pretty cool personality mix where he is likable, but able to keep guys accountable because you want to please him. You know, that, that theoretically should make for a good managerial mix. Jim, did you like managers like that who, who, who lit into you, but you actually liked them in the process somehow? Yeah, well, well yeah, you have to, and that's all about man, any. I think management and, and any profession. You have to build relationships where people trust you. You, you don't want to be the guy. And I played for at least one manager um, who just went ballistic anytime something went wrong. So uh, after a while, you tune that guy out. So you got to be careful when you deliver your messages as a manager um, because you lose credibility if you're screaming and yelling and flipping over the clubhouse spread and uh, questioning people's uh, you know toughness all the time. So you have to kind of do it in a measured way. I think he has that skill. I think he's really good with people. Um, and you're right. I think because he's been teammates with so many of these guys, um, he can get in their face or say something kind of sarcastic or disparaging about a player's effort or performance, and it's going to, it's going to go away. It's good. By the time you show up at the ballpark the next day, he's probably going to walk up to you and say, hey, man, didn't mean to beat you down. It's just a point I felt like I had to make. And, you know, it's going to be a high five or a hug or whatever they do down there. And uh, they're going to go on their way. Mm. In closing with you, Jim. Sorry, Bruce. Scanning the stats for Hal Lanier, uh, Art Howe, Tom (laughs) Kelly. Just trying to look around. But, well, that's off. Yeah. 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 Hal, we had a a great one here in Wrigley when the Cubs beat us like 22 to 9. And Hal absolutely lost it. And just screaming at Bob Nepper, and it was, it was a thing of beauty. Jim, in closing with you, uh, give us your feelings about your first year with Marquee and uh, the Marquee Sports Network, and how all that went down as far as uh, broadcasting and you know uh, getting used to new people after many years uh, with the other groups. Yeah, it, it was great. Um, you know, they're committed professionals. Uh, they want to put on a great show. Um, the guys in the truck were outstanding. I thought the look of our show was really good. You know, and I think uh, the fact that we're working in empty ballparks or working remotely when the team is on the road, we were able to pull off a good broadcast. <clears throat> so, and there's a real sense of camaraderie over there. We're kind of in this together trying to, you know, launch this thing. And that, that still exists because we still haven't had one official full real year, right? Um, but it's, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a good bunch. Um, it, it was a lot of fun. You know, there was a lot made over the coat and tie thing. <laughs> that was that was way more external than internal. It kind of became a laughing matter um, amongst us. Um, actually, I was asked about it this fall by, by uh, the mics over there, and I said, I don't want to go. I like I kind of like buttoning up every now and then, uh, and I didn't mind the coat and tie uh, program. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I thought that got a little more attention than it probably needed. I kind of – uh, you know, but um, it's it's a good group. It's a smart group. Um, Mike Leary and Mike Fox and everybody else down in the truck are really talented. Uh, so I'm just I'm, and, and Taylor. I thought Taylor was great. I, I just think um, when we get a chance to unleash everybody uh, with people in the stands and and access to everything that we have uh, access to, uh, I, th- I think it's going to get better and better. Jim, we appreciate it very much. Happy New Year to you and your family. Healthy, number one. And hopefully, hopefully in the middle of uh, February, we will see you in spring training and people may actually get together again and talk and go out for a drink or have a dinner. Yeah, you know, yeah. Something yeah, human. Yeah, like. I, I, I pine for those uh, press room conversations, you know, where you can sit around and yeah. talk ball and and. and munch on some grub and play trivia. Um, 
yeah, uh, hopefully, hopefully we don't have to wait too long before that all happens. Sounds good, Jim. All right, I'm going to throw both you guys one as we go to break. One player in the 20th century had three straight seasons of 35 homers, 100 RBIs, and 200 hits. Only one guy in the entire century had three straight years like that. Give me number 35 home runs, 35 home runs, 200 hits. Yep. And 100 100 RBIs. RBIs. Only one person, three straight years, ever. Or in the 20th century. Man. I, I know it's not Big Ed Delante. Uh, I'm sure it's not him. It is not. Um, it's a good guy. Not Roger Bresnahan, is it? I would say I would say Jimmy Fox. I'll just take a wild guess. Terrific guess. I guessed it too, since he had great numbers. But no, not Double not X. Fox. Double. Not not was Ted Chuck, Williams. Was it Chuck Klein? Not Chuck Klein. Mm. Rico Cardi. Uh, not, not, not Rico. Cardi. Give us an era. Give us an era, and we'll close uh, in on it. Art Vandelay. Uh, <laughs> no, his industries did very well, though. the The seventies, the nineteen seventies, short peak, but oh, what a peak for this guy! Oh my goodness! Oh, huh? Tony C. No. Okay, I'm done. Same team. Okay, well, what league we got? Uh, my guy, growing up, I had a shirt. Pitchers pay the price when they face Jim Rice. 77, Jim, 78. Jim Ed Rice. 70. Very nope. excellent. Yeah, big Jim Ed. Yeah. Can you believe that? Cool. Three years in a row at 35, 100 ribs, 200 hits, only him. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's yeah. a great stat. Well, you know yeah. what? He had all those hits because he must have had a low walk rate. Yes. That's exactly and right. And those RBIs, those RBIs were probably cheap because he was in a good lineup. He stunk, <laughs> Matt. I don't know why you're such a fan of Jim Rice. Jim, thanks so much for joining us. Happy you New Year. We'll you talk better to dig soon. into the analytics, pal. <laughs> I'm care. on it. We're on it. Thank you, Jim. Thanks much, Jimmy. <laughs> See you guys. Pre- right. Appreciate it, guys. Um, hey, the DePaul St. John's game, which was to follow us, has officially been canceled due to a COVID issue with St. John's. So, wow. So that, that means we're here till 11 o'clock. And that means we can throw open the phone lines and talk to people a little bit if they want to. Bruce, at 312-644-6767. Hall of Fame ballots are uh, getting publicized and gathered. We could talk about that as well. So it's um, Matt Spiegel, Bruce Levine, inside the clubhouse on 670 The Score. Continuing. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Is that another lead baker? Dale's Bakery is going to feel the heat. Hey, you're baking alone today. I have to handle this order for the restaurant down the street. Cool, but who's going to handle the pastries? He needs to hire. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. The moment you sponsor a job on Indeed, you get a short list of quality candidates from our resume database. Indeed delivers two and a half times more hires than the other branded job sites combined, according to Breezy HR 2019. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get a $75 credit for your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. Mary's Bistro delivery business is bustling and ready to burst. Orders 34, 35, and 36 are up. Who's handling these? Hello, Mary's Bistro, now delivering. It's time to hire. I need Indeed. 
Indeed you do. The moment you sponsor a job on Indeed, you get a short list of quality candidates from our resume database. Indeed delivers two and a half times more hires than the other branded job sites combined, according to Breezy HR 2019. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get a $75 credit for your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. JeffFook.com is on your side. That 2020 jingle tells you that for all your auto, home, and commercial insurance needs, Jeff Fukovich Nationwide Insurance is your guy. For the very best insurance assurance, Jeff Fukovich and Nationwide have been the kings of insurance reliability for 42 years. JeffFook.com is on your side. The Chicagoland Sports Betting Heavyweight has arrived. Barstool Sportsbook at Ameristar East Chicago Casino Hotel is now open. This is your ticket to all the action and real-time odds. Plus, with 23 24-hour betting kiosk and a live walk-up window, placing your bets has never been easier. Celebrate being in the middle of the action with food specials and your favorite beers on tap. So grab your crew and come catch all the action because there's lots of game left. This is where sports and winning meet. This is where the All-Stars align. The all-new Barstool Sportsbook at Ameristar East Chicago Casino Hotel. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Liberty Mutual Insurance Company presents and Doug. Okay, class, let's bump it up to nine. Come on, Limu, keep peddling. We got to build our endurance to let more people know that Liberty Mutual customizes your car insurance, so you only pay for what you need. Pick up the pace, bird legs. Hey, don't talk to Limu like that. I'm not, I'm talking to you. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Get a customized quote at LibertyMutual.com. Mary's Bistro delivery business is bustling and ready to burst. Orders 34, 35, and 36 are up. Who's handling these? Hello, Mary's Bistro, now delivering. It's time to hire. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. The moment you sponsor a job on Indeed, you get a short list of quality candidates from our resume database. Indeed delivers two and a half times more hires than the other branded job sites combined, according to Breezy HR 2019. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get a $75 credit for your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. Frank's Red Hot Thick Sauce is still the perfect blend of flavor and heat, but in four flavors, like Buffalo Ranch. It's thicker and saucier than ever. How thick? Thick. Frank's Red Hot Thick Sauce. I put that on everything. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago Sports Station. You are listening to Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. Bruce Levine uh, is the man. I am the partner, Matt Spiegel. And I'll tell you what, as you look at some of the Hall of Fame votes coming in as people are publishing their ballots, Bruce Levine, I think Mark Burley stands a pretty good shot of at least getting to the low threshold he needs to remain on the ballot here in his first year. So that's good to see. I wonder if his conversation, the conversation about him, will evolve in years to come. You think there's any chance that Mark Burley gets into the Hall of Fame by the end of the decade, sir? I think, you know, somebody like Kurt Schilling has to go first. Uh, not that they pitched the same, but the, the results were pretty similar. Um, they had similar careers in wins. Schilling had the big-time stage of the World Series uh, and he was a big-time winner in postseason. <clears throat> but um, I, I think Burley probably never gets there, but there's a lot of love for him because of the not only the, the outstanding pitcher he was, an all-around good player, very good defender as well as a pitcher, but uh, just the, the great person that he was, and the, the, the guy was just loved by everybody that was around him, uh, mm-hmm. teammates, front offices, people. I think that goes a long way to push him a little bit further. I just don't think the resume is quite there, although it was impressive for the modern era to throw 200 innings as many times as he did. That's, that's my feeling is that as years go on, um, his type will be so much more rare as we go that it'll, it'll gain some stature historically. But you're right about Schilling before that, maybe Andy Pettit uh, before that, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then CC Sabathia will come up, and th- there'll be some guys that Burley will have to contend with on the ballot, that's for sure. You we look at to... the ballot now. Ma- yeah, go, yeah ahead. go ahead, Matt. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Bruce. Look at the ballot. As now. Matt was going to say, 312-644-6767 is the number you can reach us at, both text and phone line. We are open to you until 11 o'clock because of the postponement 
of the DePaul game. Uh, we are here with you until 11 o'clock. So feel free to jump in and give us your thoughts on baseball and any of our topics today. Uh, Matt, uh, it's not considered a very strong Hall of Fame ballot. What's your overall view of it as a baseball fan? Yeah, it really, it's interesting. And it's right now the projections are that nobody gets in. And, and there is a class from last year that's still waiting to have their moment. And it's a pretty cool class mm-hmm. with Derek Jeter. be a big, a big time event there um, in Cooperstown. So, you know, I, I wonder if any of the voters are thinking, you know, let's just all pause right here while, while we wait. Uh, you know, it, there's the Bonds and Clemens issue looms at the very top, obviously. I think Scott Rowland, Todd Helton, and Gary Sheffield, to me, are guys that I would vote for um, based on the quality, uh, especially Sheffield to me, but I know there is some steroid stigma, some PED stigma there for people as well. Um, the one that's really interesting to me is Kurt Schilling because... You know, the, the personal abhorrence issue gets gets added in for how people people feel about Kurt Schilling. I think I think he's a clear Hall of Famer on merit, in my opinion. But but a lot of people really don't like him. So it's uh, lent itself to some very interesting conversation. Well, just the postseason uh, alone, probably uh, him and somebody like Andy Pettit, who has the most wins of. Uh, all time, most uh, starts all time in postseason. Uh, those those things uh, have to be looked at uh, and and taken into strong consideration when you see the overall work was ex- exceptionally good, and then you put into play that they were tremendous postseason pitchers. Um, that that bodes well for Schilling, even though you know he's a nut job and uh, you know it's hard to keep up with his thought process. That shouldn't really apply. I mean. It, but there, there is a human nature element of people voting, you know, yes. where they will go, yeah, he was good, but he was a jerk and I'm not voting for him. Now, yeah. that's not the professional way to approach it, but we know human nature certainly takes over sometimes. And uh, that might be the case for some people like Schilling. But, you know, I, I have a, a problem year to year where people often think that someone has to go in. I don't think it's necessarily so. Uh, was Omar Vizquel a Hall of Famer last year by getting the percentage of the vote he got? Or because uh, those people are already in the Hall of Fame from last year, and now the voters turn their attention to whether to vote or not for Vizquel this year, is he really a Hall of Famer, or is it just a product of who is on the ballot? I, you know, but here's the thing. I think that pervasive wisdom changes the way you look at the game, the way you look at history changes and context changes. So I'm okay with that. John Thorne, baseball's historian, um, had a great sentence about that when the announcement came about including the Negro League stats that we talked about a, a couple of weeks ago, Bruce. And John Thorne's quote was, history is process, not product. And I really like that. I think, I think that in certain areas that, that can be true. You know, we should look back and think, well, you know, this uh, happened and now I think this and now we add this in. So I'm okay with some of that, that evolution. We came to understand that Tim Raines had more value than, uh, than people thought 20 years ago. So to me, to me, to me that one works. But um, let, let's hear what the, the listeners have to say. You can talk about Hall of Fame ballot stuff and certainly any of the White Sox and Cubs stuff that we have brought up. We'll come back and take your phone calls in a matter of moments right here on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. Back in on 670 The Score, another bonus segment of Inside the Clubhouse is yours. As we lead up to 11 o'clock, if you have not heard, the DePaul and St. John's game has been canceled due to a COVID issue with St. John's. So that means you get full on Inside the Clubhouse, and that means we get your phone calls as well. Let's start with Doug in Deerfield on The Score. Doug, you're on with me, Matt Spiegel, and him, Bruce Levine. What do you say, Doug? Hey, guys, Happy New Year, and uh, continue to love your show every week, so thank you. Um, Two points I wanted to make. One is about the Darvish trade, uh, which I thought was a good one. Um, You know, Darvish pitched all last year basically against the NL Central, which nobody hit in that division. So I think his numbers may be inflated along a little bit compared to, let's say, Zach Davies, who pitched in the NL West, which is a much better hitting – 
hitting division. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that. The second is with the unlikely event of a full season this year and the chance for either a strike or a lockout next year, do you think there's going to be a major reset on the amount of money these free agents are going to get? And, and the Cubs may be able to get some of these players uh, pretty cheaply um, to fill out their roster because they don't have much in the outfield. Thanks, Doug. Appreciate it. Matt, jump in. Well, um, on the Darvish thing, I think I think stuff is stuff, and his stuff is has largely been uh, unhittable and swing and miss when he's been good, and he was good again. So, I don't I don't necessarily um, buy that part of it. The, the 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 second half on what the free agent market will bring and what the impending impending potential strike and what people think is really interesting to me, and I think that the middle class is going to be in a lot of trouble. That's usually how this has gone historically with sports, Bruce, is that maybe the top guys still find a market that's similar to what they've thought, but the middle class of free agents get valued so little and cheap talent, cheap MLB talent gets valued so much. So I'm expecting a correction of of that sort um, if there's any clarity. Yeah, Matt, uh, I think you're probably right, but you might have to expand that middle class to be upper middle class as well. Mm. Because mm-hmm. I, I only think, I mean, look at JT Real Muto, who's considered the best catcher in the game. Um, he, I'm sure he came in thinking he was going to get five years and probably somewhere around uh, $125 million. And uh, so far, uh, nothing, not, nothing close for him at this point. Uh, Philadelphia seems to be back in the mix, but uh, realistically, um, I think the the big contracts and the extended contracts, with knowing that the collective bargaining agreement is coming up in December of uh, this year, uh, and no one knows what the status of the game will be after that, whether there'll be um, a salary cap or anything close to that, I think that's going to keep people, uh, along with the the fact that we don't know when baseball is going to be played and what the revenues are. I think they will keep teams from uh, spending money on top players. As far as his point about the top offenses uh, and that, uh, that Darvish faced a weak group, I think yeah. he's spot on because five, I think five of the last six teams in offense in uh, baseball last year were in the national league central. So uh, from that perspective, he may have a point there, but as you pointed out, there's no denying that Darvish was outstanding and would have pitched well against most teams last year. Let's go to Riles in Gridley on the score this morning. Good morning, Riles. Happy New Year. Hey, to you too, Spigs. Um, good to hear you guys again. Um, I think Tom Ricketts might be willing to pump money, more money into the club, but I think his old man is asking, when am I going to get my money back? Um so the the fact is, uh, Bruce, you'll definitely remember this. When the Cubs purchased uh, were purchased by that that group, uh, they cried poor because it, it was right during a uh, not a depression, but a pretty significant recession. And they went back to the bargaining table after it was already agreed that they were going to pay. I think it was nine hundred million. And uh, mm-hmm. they got it renegotiated, and they got it for less than what their original offer was. And uh, so that was a smart business play. But I, I do think that the Cubs do have something uh, to complain about more than other teams because the fact is their games are so, sell out so often, and they make so much money on game day revenues with uh, beer and food and stuff like that. But – they uh, they also they have long term gains that they've made based on all of building the hotel and buying up so many of the rooftops, and therefore the club is worth what three billion now with a B. They could leverage that against uh, you know for if they want to pay more. And Marquis is going to make make money at some time during the future. And when the when they're back to seeing people in the ballpark, they're going to make a heck of a lot of money again. But they have to be willing to put a good club out on the field in order to continue to get uh, full capacity. What do you guys think? Thanks, Riles. Go ahead, Bruce. Yeah, there's a lot there to react to. Go ahead, Matt. Well, I, you know, it, it's interesting because – 
Um, they certainly are more dependent on game day revenue. We've talked about that. There are a few organizations that, that really are in baseball, and the Cubs are certainly one of them. And the hotel's empty. All, all of that, that, that beer selling is not going on at every, every place around the ballpark that they have invested in and, and they own. And, look, if the idea is to be competitive again, like you'd be competitive somewhat this year, but really be good enough in three years – when the economy might have recovered, when you might have clarity based on if there's a strike or not, when you will have clarity on whether you have fans there, there's some sense. I mean, this is what a corporation sometimes will do. There's some sense in pushing your responsibility down the road in that way, as uncomfortable as it might be for fans of the product. I, there's certainly some economic sense from their perspective. Well, and, uh, you know, people need to know that uh, the Cubs were in the top four in spending in baseball the last four years. Uh, two of those years, they were one and two. And if they went over the luxury ta- the competitive balance tax a third year in a row, the first year they paid 20% fine. The second year they paid 30%. That means, uh, that means 30% of every dollar you spent over uh, the luxury tax you paid. Uh, that amount into the Major League Baseball. And uh, the third year would be, this would be the third year if they went over, it would be 50%. So that would be uh, 50% of every dollar you spent going over would be a tax on you. Uh, No team in baseball so far has ever gone three years in a row going over the luxury tax and the competitive balance tax. So from that perspective, uh, you know, they're not going to come close to that this year. They're they're not going to be in that uh, era, era, area, but it, it's it, people cannot say the Cubs haven't spent money to the point of being competitive and being up there with the big teams like the Dodgers, Yankees, and Red Sox. Those are the other three teams that have been part of the top four over the last five years, and I, I believe the, the Cubs have been in that group for the last five or six And Yeah, what they can say is that they're choosing to stop spending at the very – very top. Um, and it's a moment where a lot of the, the reasons, the logical reasons why are there for you if you want to hear it and, and want to accept it. It's just, it's a very difficult reality of sports, isn't it? When it comes to the four like this, is that it feels so emotionally connected and it feels like these familial bonds and these, and, and in the end, it is also a business. So th- those things yeah, all get you know, mixed in together. Let's be honest about it. I think what you're I think you hit on a very solid point. The Cubs didn't appear to be prepared for this. That's what I'm saying. The Cubs what fans I'm saying or is the Cubs themselves? Because, no, the Cub the the this this the, the organization wasn't prepared for this because the minor league system wasn't there to keep keep putting players out there for you. So mm-hmm. they had to make a, a and they weren't able to sign the big players whether it was the players or not that refused to sign those contracts. So therefore, you hit a dead end. You ran into a wall. This is the wall that we're all looking at. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely true. Um, and it's, you know, there, there's some self-scouting issues that went along in there over the past few years. And there's, there's the drafting. And you, you'll look back historically when, when you write the book on Theo Epstein, Jason McLeod, Jed Hoyer as a troika, You'll look at unbelievable drafting in Boston that allowed them to maintain what is still going on, frankly, in Boston. And you'll look at really good drafting in the early part of this regime, and then you'll see it dry up. You'll see it dry up, and you'll see them make some massive changes, uh, as they did over the past um, year and a half or so, to that scouting and development um, team. And and that's that. Hopefully, that will have a big effect on the next, a uh, big effect. Excuse me, on the next ten years. Let's close out with Ron on the South Side here on six seventy. The score. Hello, Ron. Hey, happy New Year, guys. Um, just want to show real quick regarding um, Mark Burley. Uh, I looked at his numbers, guys. I never did consider him uh, maybe in the um, top five uh, pitchers in the league. So. Uh, and one thing I thought about also was the gold glove you see. So I kind of look at him like I do with this, uh, like Paul Conurco. 
just wonderful players for the White Sox, but maybe not Hall of Fame. And lastly, guys, uh, White Sox look like they're going to have a formidable uh, top three pitcher. As far as um, a number four, do you think they may go after uh, another pitcher or they look to fill those last two spots from um, the Cease, Lopez, and hopefully, uh, I mean, Lopez, the Cease, yes. and Copay. Okay, thanks, guys. Have a Thank, good one. Thanks, Ron. I appreciate it. I, I expect them to go in thinking that they have enough kids to round it out at four and five, giving Lopez a shot, Gillen, Dylan Cease a shot. What do you think, Bruce? Another, another veteran on the horizon or no? Uh, I don't think so. I, I just think that Cease, uh, I mean, they might sign a uh, a swingman type guy that could start some games. But I think Cease is, this is his year to step up. Lopez, I'm not sure if he'll ever regain where he was at, but it's still a big arm. A great show today, Matt. Uh, appreciate it. Adam Studzinski, always a terrific job for us as a producer. Uh, your contributions always great. Want to thank uh, our guest Steve Stone of the White Sox broadcast team, Jim Deshays of the Cubs broadcast team. Great stuff from them today. People can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. I write, I write on our website at 670thescore.com. Cubs and Sox four or five times a week on both. Matt, have a great week. Look forward to seeing you next Saturday. Bruce, you too. Have a great week, everybody. Happy New Year. Um, I'll be on the Parkins Show Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. Looking forward to that and looking forward to uh, seeing you next week, Bruce. Thanks, Adam Studzinski. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.